I invite you now to take a Bible and to open it to Paul's letter to the Galatians. Uh, if you're visiting us as a church family, we've been uh, this year looking at the beginning and the ending of every New Testament letter. And so that now has us here in Galatians, uh, which just to be honest with all of you, uh, we know that there are times when it's appropriate to sort of throw the script out and uh, change what we might be doing and what we might have thought a long time ago was a good idea might not necessarily be a good idea. And actually in my mind, uh, that felt true this week. If, I'm, if, if we might not uh, continue with the plan and we might deviate from it, this might be a, a week of all weeks to do that. But before I started thinking about where I would go, I said, let me reread again where we would be. And then as I read it, probably part of it stood out to me a little bit stronger than uh, it would have otherwise. But I then also realized, I think Galatians 1 uh, includes within it most of what I would want to say, one, to my own heart, but also to yours as well. So this is Galatians 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. And then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. The, they only were hearing it said, 
He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. And that'll conclude our portion. Uh, Again, it's, it's also one of our hopes that in reading the beginning and the ending, it would be an encouragement to you to keep on reading and not necessarily to skip over the middle, uh, and so that if you keep on reading throughout the week of where we are, you'll, if you never have read through the whole New Testament, you'll have done that before year end. And uh, it's also helpful because so many times in reading the intro, it feels like a, an inappropriate place to stop. The, the chapter numbers are, are arbitrary. Those were added later just so we could talk to one another and say, where was that? Uh, oh, it's chapter one, verse whatever, but it was just a letter. And like any other thing you would get in the mail in the form of a letter, you'd commit to reading it in its entirety. And we encourage you to to consider the New Testament letters in that very same way. Uh, But I think what stood out to me in a fresh way in light of uh, the tragic circumstances of this week in our own nation, and not only our nation, but also in the world, was Paul's description in verse 3, actually verse 4, where he describes uh, the goodness of Jesus Christ coming to deliver us from the present evil age. And so that's the first point I'd like to draw your attention to here. Paul is writing Galatians in what modern day would be Turkey uh, to a group of believers. And when he says the present evil age, He's not narrowing in on something specifically wrong or bad about the Galatians. This is actually a term that he is comfortable using and other biblical writers using a similar term to describe the condition of the world that we live in. That all of us live now in a world where evil is present. And all of us live in a world not only where evil is present, but oftentimes where it seems like evil has its way. Where it is, as we sung, it's strong, and sometimes it feels stronger than what is good and what is right. And so Paul is not responding to a specific headline in the news when he uses his description, or even a specific problem that they're going through in the church in Galatia. He's using this term to describe the condition of the world since we are now no longer in the good garden that God made where there was no sin and evil. And we're all waiting to be restored one day to the presence of God where again, there will be no sin, no suffering, no sickness, no pain. So what do we call where we are now. (laughs) We're not in that good garden and just innocent where nothing bad ever happened and we're not yet in the place where everything has been made right. Uh, If you are here today and you aren't sure exactly what you believe about the Bible or about who Jesus is, I think you could at least agree with me. We are not yet in the place where everything has been made right. Right? Right? I don't know which uh, specific circumstance or event it was that really brought that home for you, but there have been enough of them, and there will be enough of them 
that something happens that causes each and every one of us to come to that conclusion that we are not living in the place where everything is the way it should be where what is good is celebrated where what is bad is punished where uh, whatever our sense of what justice and fairness should be we have a sense of it but we also have a sense that it it isn't regularly experienced among us and so Paul is using this description not to specifically pick on a church that's causing him trouble or something but to remind all of them this is where we all live this is what we all have to deal with is the present evil age and so when Jesus came to this earth he started announcing to his disciples that he was bringing a new kingdom that he was the king of a new kingdom where in that kingdom the kingdom of heaven again we would start to experience more of what God originally wanted for all of us in righteousness and peace and love and less of the tragedy, the sinfulness, the wickedness, the constant bickering and fighting and arguing, and that we would know that. And so Jesus had that message for the people that would listen to him, that he has come not just to take this present evil age and make it a little more fun, or maybe take off the old book cover and put a new book cover on it, and so it'll appear better than it is. Jesus is not a PR or marketing uh, expert. His goal is not to talk all of us into somehow loving what we're going through more. He was a truth teller. He was a prophet who said to those who heard him and then as they recorded it for each and every one of us to say, do not put your primary hope in this world or even in the institutions of power within this world to make this present evil age all of a sudden this glorious, amazing, beautiful age. <laughs> because even the very institutions that we create to try to make this world better are made up of people like you and me who are still fallen, still sinful, who struggle. So we see sin not only in our own hearts, but we see it in the things we create and in the environment around us. And so that's what helps him sort of give this, this uh, larger category for all of us to realize we live in a present evil age, which you might be saying, this is not very encouraging. <laughs> um, it isn't, except if you've been feeling it, <laughs> if you've been grieving, it is encouraging to know that somebody is being honest about this that somebody is not running from this, somebody's not ignoring this, that there are actually for a long time have been people who simultaneously believe in God and trust that he is good and also look at what is so much of struggle and pain around us and feel the dissonance of that and say, why is so much that is going on not reflecting the God who is good, who we believe loves us, but is actually reflecting the darkness uh, that is in all of our human hearts. And so if you continue to read on in Galatians, you'll see not only does he describe this as what we're all living in, 
in the environment around us, this present evil age, later in the letter, he starts to contrast the flesh and the spirit. So all of us are living in this place that is no longer as solid as we wished it to be. And all of us within us have a tension between our flesh and our spirit. And so he goes on to say uh, to everybody uh, at the end of chapter five, but I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and things like these. And I warn you that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so there's this age that we are all in, this circumstance around us that is fallen and broken. And there is also within us the flesh that we all have that keeps us down, that keeps us tired, that keeps us discouraged. And the sooner we know that, though that's not encouraging news, the better it allows us to plan and to prepare for then how to live in the reality of what we're facing. Uh, for a, a very simple example, uh, we as a family were able to go uh, on vacation just two weeks ago, and we have a van that we feel like is on its last legs. And so we don't usually have to drive it very far, and we took it and got it serviced uh, at a mechanic and said we're about to make like a 12-hour road trip with three kids, so we would We'd like you to help us. You know, there's only so much you can do with a 200 and almost 30,000 mile van now, but do what you can uh, for it. And so afterwards and having it service, Amy had asked uh, the mechanic, you know, just be honest with me. Would you take your family in this van on a 12 hour trip to Hilton Head? And he right away was like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. You know what I would also do? He's like, what? I'd also take the title with you take the title with you so that if anything happens while you're driving and you just have to give it uh, to the whoever's going to tow this uh, away and then you can just rent a car and come home and then you don't have to worry about this thing anymore. So that's not very encouraging news to hear, right? When you're like, yes, yes, I would do this and just be prepared. Now, we got all the way there and all the way back and we still have the title and we still have the van. So he did enough to get us there and back. Um, but we appreciated his honesty. Like, you know more about this than we do. We want you to tell us actually what's wrong with it. And if we know what's wrong with it, we also need your help to know what to do if whatever's wrong with it happens. Uh, and so for us, it kind of every, you know, every state we hit, we're like, hey, it got us into West Virginia. It got us into Virginia. It got us into North Carolina. This thing's making it. And then on the way home, uh, it was one of those, uh, for us, mostly became uh, a joyful thing to laugh about in the uncertainty of what we were dealing with. But in that vein, for all of us to hear the message of the Bible crystal clear to us, 
if we live in a present evil age, don't put your hope in anything that is itself also a part of this present evil age. Don't do that. What we all desperately need is we desperately need grace and peace. And the Apostle Paul says we desperately need grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We need help from outside of this situation, from outside of this world, to give us grace as a gift. And the word for peace uh, in the Bible, uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, shalom, and Paul is extending and just adding to that common greeting by saying we need unmerited and undeserved favor and kindness and grace, and we all need and long for peace, for shalom, which is not just this sort of temporary time where we all pretend to get along and we stop fighting, but where peace is the restoration of relationship, of healing, where nobody's afraid of anybody else, where nobody's taking advantage of anybody else, where there is healthy and whole community, where there's genuine love that's experienced by us. We all long for it, but we unfortunately in our world see so many times where such goodness is desecrated. And so the apostle is saying, in this present evil age, we all desperately need grace and peace. And it comes from not me, not any church, not you and any immediate effort you might make to say, okay, I'm just gonna try harder. We need the help from outside of ourselves. And that's even part of what we've been grieving in a unique way, um, is not only what has happened, but how many of our institutions are so broken that they cannot or will not allow themselves to change so that they happen less. For me, that was partly reading uh, on Saturday evening in a third-party investigation uh, of a denomination in the United States that had finally allowed a third party to investigate decades and decades of claims against itself that it was, rather than protecting the vulnerable, was in fact enabling abusers uh, to continue to move from church to church without any criminal investigation or prosecution. And that report was released Sunday night. And before I had even been able to start reading just even part of it, more news was coming of other horrible things that are happening in this world. And again, of where institutions who themselves say, uh, and that's where I, I, I want to be totally transparent, Christian institutions that say they believe in the grace and peace that we all need from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, there is a fleshly way that we could actually become really committed to religious causes. And so we actually still manifest the same temptations of our flesh but just put religious covering on it. And God is not honored by that. And so Jesus, in his ministry, most often had conflict with religious people who were refusing to heed his message. There's all kinds of ways we can fake looking better or fake overcoming the battles that we're all raging rather than in real humility saying, we are not ourselves equipped for this. And so we need all of the resources and all of the help and all of the outside perspective and wisdom that can be gained to get ahead of this. We need grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus 
Christ, but we also need, so we need grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as examples of hope. We also need examples of hope. A hope of what? Hope of lives that are being transformed by the power of God's Spirit. So Paul rem- extends this greeting of grace and peace, reminds everybody of our circumstances, and then he tells his own story as an example of how when we really submit to God's grace and our need of it, we can continue to hear, experience in our own lives and see it in the lives of others that people really can change. They can. You can change. I can change. Our communities can change. It will cost us a lot. It will involve sacrifice. Paul goes on this long description that if you took time to sort of read it out to say, He was so unsure that people would be open to the fact that he changed that he kind of hid for a while because he didn't want anybody to think it was just some quick, you know, I'm sorry because I got caught and I promise I'll do better, but no, he's not really sorry. He's only sorry he got caught. And so actually there's a multi-year journey in his own life when he finally realized how serious his sin was and how profound the harm was that it caused to other people that he didn't take God's grace and peace and say, oh, well, now I can just automatically start doing things and everybody has to listen to me. No, no, no. He went into the school of life for years to be humbled by God and to receive instruction and teaching from him, but all with the recognition and understanding that he could really change, that if he was committed to stop faking it, to stop allowing his flesh to, uh, to mask itself in religion, but to really come before God and say, God, have your way with me. That God could use somebody like him to bring hope to other people and to help those other people never put their hope in themselves or in institutions, but rather to put their hope ultimately in God and that they could come alongside him and others, brothers and sisters like him, who would say, we're not running from the fact that this world is filled with evil, but we're going to allow the grace and peace that God has given us to continue to move us and to inspire us to offer this world that needs it hope. Hope that they can change, that we can change, that while we are waiting for God to make this all perfect in his return, he has not told us just to sit around and do nothing until he comes. (laughs) He has told us to do something and to do many things until he comes. To advocate for people, to fight against injustice, to seek reform in all the ways that we can, in our hearts and in our community. And as we share those stories with one another, it encourages us that yes, there are some really dark days. There are times when we need to just stop and grieve ourselves. And then we also need to encourage one another to do the things that we can do, to love people, to care for them, to remind them that this ache we all feel is because deep down we know we were made for something else. We know this is not the way the world should be. And who else but those who follow our Lord 
offer to the world the promise that he gives that he will make all things right in his time and we get to invite people into that that's good news of hope that we carry may we be good stewards of that hope in Jesus name we, let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for your word we thank you for the, the truthfulness of it that when sin and evil confronts us when there is um, so much tragedy around us when our prayer list includes friends of ours and other countries that are in the middle of a war when it includes people around us who we love who are uh, unexpectedly in the hospital and requiring care when sometimes it's just a breakdown of communication and fellowship because it feels like uh, we're arguing with people that uh, we should be getting along with Father there are so many things that can weigh us down but we do believe that you offer grace to this world that in following you are the paths to peace to real and lasting restored fellowship and relationship with one another and with yourself and we do believe when so many other circumstances look like they'll just never get better and they'll never change and there will never be progress uh, you do tell us that through your Holy Spirit radical and dramatic and lasting change is possible and so help us to not give up hope for change help us to not give up hope for progress um, so Father you know each and every one of our hearts and so we just pray that you would lift them up through, through your word and through who you are and even through surprising uh, stories that we might hear as we talk to one another in the company of this fellowship in Jesus name we pray Amen